All right, and we are going to be this morning in, our, in the Word of God in 2 Kings. If you'll turn there, if you don't have a Bible with you today, that is all right. Uh, there are Bibles in the pew there. You can grab one. Second Kings, chapter two, chapter two, the great story of Elijah and Elisha. Many of us get confused. I know I do with Elijah and Elisha. I know who each one is, but I'll get confused of the stories, which did what oftentimes. The Word of God is amazing. Uh, it's not a just book that you learn and that's it. It's a living, it's, it's alive. It's the Word of God. There's nothing like it on earth. And the more I get into it, the more I see how alive it is and how much I don't know. And it's not about what I know, because that's just knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. But it's about how much the Word of God knows me. It's the other way around. How, how much I've been walking with the Lord how much time I've been spending with God. Second Kings chapter 2, when you find it, if you would, stand with me. We're going to read in verse 9. Verse 9, the Bible says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I should do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. And if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, verse 11, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Amen. There's horses in heaven. Praise God for that. God made horses. Not going to be any cars in heaven. Uh, so you better love them horses. Get off that phone. Get into the word of God. There's not going to be any phones in heaven. Amen. Appreciate what God made us. Uh, God uh, made each other. We've got to love each other. Spend time with each other. Um, get get uh, with each other. Amen. We're surrounded by each other, but yet we're alone. It's true. It's true. You got all these Facebook friends, but not a real friend. It's true. It's true. We need, to, we need to fix our lives. We need to fix things. God didn't make us like this. Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah and f and fell for, uh, that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Amen. He picked up that mantle and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And uh, I know many of us ask that question, Where is God? In the hard times, where is God right now? Where is the power of God? And uh, God is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He'll never leave us or forsake us. But we've got to ask ourselves uh, at one point or another, where are we at? 
What are we doing with our life? Are we just going to continue doing nothing? We might think we're uh, doing a lot, but reality is we're not doing anything with our lives. Uh, like the disciples, they rode all night. They were rowing. They were doing something, but it was all for nothing. The moment Jesus, uh, they saw Jesus on the shore, uh, that's when they pulled in all those fish. And they didn't even need that either. Jesus already had the, the fish baked on the, on the coals, uh, ready, a meal prepared for them, showing the disciples it's all for nothing. Christ is everything. When you have him, you have it all. And he will not leave you desolate. He'll provide. He'll strengthen. He'll bless you more. But you don't have to work for it. His labor is rest. His labor is sweet. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's light and easy to bear. We don't have to live the life that we're living now. We get to choose Christ. And they that choose Christ will have life and they'll have it more abundantly with peace on the inside, with love that never goes away, with joy. Sometimes there's not a smile on the face, but that joy's still there, burning inside, knowing it's going to spring forth through the hard time. That's our Savior. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would go forth now. Touch our hearts, Lord. Father, prepare one meal and feed us all. Every need, every desire, every want, every problem. Lord, fix us. Help us. We look to you. We're just sheep. We don't know anything, Lord. We don't know any better. But Lord, those who look to Christ shall be fed, shall be led. Higher ground, to green pastures, beside the still waters, restored soul. And even though we're in the presence of our enemies, Lord, you'll prepare a table freedom. We get to eat even in our, amongst our enemies. Lord, when you're here, there's no fear. There's only blessing and power and grace. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Help us all, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Elijah, what a powerful man. Elijah, uh, he was given to God. And that's what John the Baptist went in the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist, the Bible says, was the greatest man ever born of woman. Uh, he was a, a great, great man preparing the way for the Lord to come. And that is our job, uh, is to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have the Holy Spirit of God. He, the Holy Spirit prepares the way. We just have to proclaim. We have a, a, such an easy way ahead of us as uh, more than the, the, the men and women that went before us. The Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the word of God. We have something so powerful and something so great. When you're struggling today, you get to open the word of God. When you're hungry, you get to open the word of God. Uh, we have a church. We can come and sit and gather together. And the Bible says where two or three be gathered together, there I am in the midst. That's why it's important to be in church if you want to be near Jesus, you got to be in church. He's not going to be um, uh, on a hill with you by himself. And he's with us. I know that. But it's a special place to be in the house of God. Amen. That's what I'm saying. And the Lord's going to be with you no matter what. He'll, he'll be with you out there and he'll be with you wherever you go. And even in your sin, Jesus will be there. That's why you feel guilty. You know what you shouldn't be doing. Why do you have that guilt? 
It's because Jesus is there. He's watching you. You say, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you better stop that. And you do it anyway, and then you feel even worse afterwards. But the Lord forgives you, amen? That's the power of God's forgiveness. He always takes us back. And uh, you can't uh, over, outrun or overuse uh, God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's love. Thank God for that. But what we do use up is our time. We only have but a short life. And the more you waste your life, the less life you're going to have. And uh, the more you allow sin in your life, the more destroyed life you're going to have. But God will always be there to help you pick up the pieces and so forth. Uh, but the more you can use for God, the better of a life you're going to have. Amen. And when we learn our lesson not to dig into sin and not to dive into sin and not to give our lives over to this world, uh, those are the men and women of God that shall be blessed. And Elijah, uh, he gave his whole life to God. And God took him like Enoch. God just came down and took them up. Amen. Sent those angels, sent those chariots of fire with the horses. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind. And sometimes God takes uh, the best of us. You know, the Lord doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't like when wicked people die. We, we, uh, man, that, we would never say that. But in our hearts, man, that should, why is that person still alive? They're so wicked. They're so evil. God doesn't want them to die. God loves them uh, to the very end. And he hopes and prays that they get saved even on the last dying breath of their of their bed he wants them to get saved god doesn't delight in the death of the wicked why do uh wicked people sometimes outlive everybody and and, and it seems like they're uh more blessed than everybody they're not blessed god sends blessings for sure and the blessings rain on the just and the unjust but don't look at money and fame and fortune as a blessing that's their very curse and with that, God gives it to them, but sends a leanness into their soul, sends such an emptiness that uh, cries out for them to see that there is nothing in this world except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have it all. Elijah, in verse 9, and it came to pass when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Elisha was uh, replacing Elijah. God told Elijah to go anoint Elisha, and he's going to take his place. Ask what I should do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elisha was asking something hard. He wanted the double portion. Now, we want the fame and the glory, and, and uh, we want the name and the title and everything, but are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to sacrifice for it? And Elisha said, I want a double portion. I want, I want to do more for God. I want to do uh, uh, more for the people of, 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 of God's uh, kingdom. I want to increase the Lord Jesus Christ. I want his name to be glorified. I want a double portion of the spirit of God upon me. Whatever spirit you had, Elijah, I want that. I want more. I want double. I want to do more for God. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Number one, this is one of the hardest things for people to get over. God's people right here. Thou hast asked a hard thing. If thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Your, our number one objective is to be there. I've had so many people, uh, Pastor, I want to do something great for God. you got to be there. That's the hardest thing for people, is to be there. Beware. Be there. 
Be where God wants you. We get taken out of the way so quickly. We get snagged up by everything. But to be there, remember Mary and Martha? Martha, she's running around. Where was Mary? At the feet of Jesus. She was there. She was there. And you might even be here, but you're not there. You're somewhere else. Where? You're thinking about work. You're thinking about stress. You're thinking about lasagna in your oven right now. You're thinking everything else. You're not here. And we would want a title. We would want a blessing. But if you're not willing to be there, you're not going to get anything. God's still going to be good to you. Of course he is. Let me say this. God is good to everyone. Nobody can say on this earth, I don't care if you are a Satanist, God is good to them. God is good to all. God loves uh, the murderer and the Satanist and the, and the Muslim and everyone. Jesus died for them. Jesus is good to all. He loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. None of us are special more than others. We are all created in God's image, and God loves us just the same. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know. How do I know that? For the Bible tells me so. Amen? You might have heard that, but you got to get in your Bible. you got to know for sure. You got to know and have that confidence, and the Word of God gives that to you. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, uh, but he is strong. You got to be there. You got to be willing to stay uh, by the, the, the way of God. You got to be willing to stay in the will of God. Sometimes we allow sin uh, to take us out. You know, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. Whatever, whatever reason we have, that's our reason. But there will be some that say, I am going to be there. Elijah said, listen, you can get it, but you're going to have to be there. And Elisha was. He stayed. I'm not going anywhere. Lord, I am not going anywhere. Hell or high water, I'm here in the house of God. I'm not going to let finances. I'm not going to let family issues. Uh, I can't come to church because i got to do laundry. Listen, whatever it is, I can't come to church because I can't, I can't do this because whatever it is, it is. But there will be some who say, I'm going to do it. I want more. I want a double portion. I want God. I want God to have preeminence. That means first place in my heart and my life. And I will be there. Lord, whatever it is. Number two, and it came to pass as they still went on. Number two, you got to continue. They still went on. You got to have patience. But I want to now. I've had people come and say, you know what, Pastor? I want to start a women's recovery uh, home. Praise God, we need that in Philadelphia. We need that. You think God will do that for you? Sure, that's in your heart. You think it's going to start tomorrow? No. You don't want that to start. You need, you need some preparation done. You need first to be built up. I was talking with a guy this week. He got down on his knees. He prayed, asked God, Lord, do something with my life. The next day, he went through a line of trials. He calls me and says, 
Why is it? Why does God hate me so much? Why? I, I, I did. I gave it my shot. He said, I prayed and asked God to help me, and all this came to pass. He said, where's God? Where is the, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah? And I told him, I said, well, whatever you run to first is your God. That's what you're trusting in. If tribulation drives you away from God, then God is not number one in your life. You want the title. You want the blessing. You want uh, the ease and the peace and all the fruits, but you're not willing to plow the field in righteousness. You're not willing for God, your shepherd, to shepherd you. You're not willing to lead, uh, have him lead you beside the still waters in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, we're sinners, but God wants to do more when something greater with you. And he will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We want our name. Are you willing to give up for God's name? Are you willing for God to lead you? You got to first be there. You got to, number two, continue. And it came to pass as they still went on. They went on. They talked. Uh, they fellowshiped. Elisha was being prepared to receive that blessing. Because with that blessing, yeah, to whom much is given, much shall be required. And we want the title, we want the blessing. But there is a lot more to be required of that. Husbands, you want to get married, or young men, you want to get married, but what it is to have a wife, you better be walking with the Lord. You need the strength because the devil's going to go after you. Young women, you want a husband. Are you ready to receive that husband? Are you ready to have a godly home or not just repeat the cycle that's going on in this world and seeing our kids run rampant and not even knowing the true God of the Bible? We need people to settle down and be there and be willing and ready to receive God's blessing. You know, sometimes the very blessing that we receive is the very thing that destroys us. We want God's blessings, but are you ready to receive God's blessing? There's a preparation time for God to build you up and strengthen you. And most of it is just becoming a servant. To serve. Number one, to serve God. Jesus said, let him that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. Being a pastor is just a servant. I am to serve you. Oh, you get to come up here and preach and everybody gets, I thank God you, you, you listen to me right now. But behind the scene, listen, I need to be serving you in prayer, putting your name up before the Lord. I need to be giving up the things of this world and serving uh, you as I pray for you and and. and, and, and uh, encourage you and, and try to strengthen you and, and cry for you and see that your way is, is being pushed forward only towards the Lord Jesus Christ and making sure your way is prosperous as you walk with the king. I'm a servant to you. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to wash your feet. That's what a pastor is. And the Bible says the positions, the higher positions are servant positions, serving. Do you want to serve people? Do you want to serve your children? Do you want to serve, husbands, do you want to serve your wife? You ought to serve them. Serve your kids. Serve your wife. At work, serve. And let God exalt you as you exalt his name. They went on. Verse 12, and Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. This is... The next thing, 
We, we get to a point. We get a position. And when we see that mantle that represents the power of God and the spirit of God and that righteousness, we put that thing on over our, our other dirty clothes. And this is what's destroyed many churches, where you see that, that everything is in order, and you see the man of God wearing a mantle, but something is off. It's perverted. There's a, there's a power there, but there's a lack. And this is one of my greatest uh, objectives, is to empty myself. The more and more I get closer to the Lord, I need to take off these garments of the flesh. I can't just come up here and put on a mantle and say, uh, Lord, you do the rest. No, there was a time where I had to prepare and pray and seek God and turn from my wicked ways as a man and allow the Lord to come down and have preeminence. That my name, that I just appear good, no. I want the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody to see the Lord Jesus Christ in my life and for the power of God to fall on us and that our hearts could be turned and lifted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the angel told Zacharias about John the Baptist, and many shall he turn uh, to the Lord. He took hold of his own clothes and he rent them. You can't just go ahead and try to uh, keep your own lifestyle. God wants to lead you to something greater, and the very things you hold on to are the very things that's destroying you. Those hidden sins, uh, the, uh, the, the private addictions and so forth. Listen, God is greater than all those. We all struggle with things, and in our flesh, uh, there is no good thing. But we have someone so much greater that will take that and use it for his honor and glory and keep on leading you if you continue and keep on uh, uh, strengthening you if you're there so that he may bless you and make of you a vessel fit for the master's use, as the Bible says. He wants to clean us up, and we need cleaning because we're dirty. Thank God we have someone who's willing to take and clean us up. Number four, he took up also the mantle. That mantle, uh, yeah, it represented the man of God and be able to hit those waters and they part and so forth. And he raised up some people from the dead and healed some people, praise God. And we see some great works done by the Lord, amen. But that mantle was a mantle of suffering. Elijah, Elijah wore a mantle of suffering. He suffered. He suffered. He, he didn't uh, have or give himself to the things of this world, the ease and everything else. He went through it. He endured as our Lord and Savior uh, suffered for us. It was a man of suffering. It was a man of salvation. Amen. He wore that. People knew he represented God. Amen. And we as God's people, the Bible says, let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's times we do get into our own things, but there's something greater. Listen, you, you were born again. You're saved. Your sins are gone. There's a reason to get back up. There's a reason to ask for forgiveness. There's a reason to be there. There's a reason to continue. God wants to make of you something great. Uh, we do need women's recovery centers and see these women in Philadelphia come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We do need to start churches and we do need to have the programs for the kids. To get the, we used to say get the kids off the street. Now we got to get them out of the houses. Amen. I wish they were in the street. You could uh, at least say hi to them or anything, but they're, they're, they're not even around anymore. Midsummer day, there's no kids anywhere. I wonder where all the kids are at. 
God help us. We need some help. The Bible says that's a curse. A blessing for a city, it says, and you shall see the kids playing in the streets. That means there's peace. That means there's no enemy about us. But everyone is locked in their homes. That means there's an enemy about us. And we need the Lord Jesus Christ to come through, rain down fire. And we need to pick up that mantle and rip off our, our clothes that we have on, his sinful garments, and, and put on the power of God, the Bible says. That was the mantle of salvation. We need to wear our salvation. We need not be ashamed of it. Jesus Christ saved me from my sin. We need to proclaim that, not be ashamed. The Bible says if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. When you pray, Lord, I, I, need, uh, I, need, I need my cable bill paid, Lord. I'm hurting here. She's going to say, I don't know you. He won't say that. But he says, he's going to say, you better get some things straightened out. You're not able to handle these blessings. You need some help. God will do what's good for us. He doesn't want us destroyed. And we do need help. But he's there always to help us. We just need to look to ourselves, see what we're doing, and get back to the old ways, old paths. Get on, back on your knees and pray. Get back in the word of God and read. Get back to proclaiming Christ. Get your affection off the things of this world and get them on the things of heaven. And may we see our, our, our women blessed again, our men blessed, and the children being raised up in churches and, and, and being prepared for the work of God and seeing our uh, families prosper again. You, you say, I'm, I'm too far from that. I, I've already, my life's already been destroyed. No, but you, God can use you as a great testimony so you can help somebody else. You could be the one that God's looking for. You could be the very one that will turn the city upside down for Christ. Real quick, and we're going to close. We have a baptism. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. First Samuel chapter 5, a few books to the left. This is when the Ark of the Covenant got taken by the Philistines. And when the little city of Ashdod, they took the Ark of the Covenant and set it up in the temple of Dagon. Dagon was their god. And they put it right by, and the Bible says they set the Ark of the Covenant right next to Dagon, verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 5, and when they rose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come to Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. When they took the ark of the covenant, and listen, inside the ark mainly was uh, the the commandments of God was the word of God was power. And listen, this represents the presence of God right here. That's why we don't want this. But you got to have it. You want God's help in your home. You got to your home has to be about the word of God. You got to pray. And when the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, they were thinking of it as an idol and they put it in the house of Dagon. And when they woke up the next day, Dagon was flat on his face 
with it, his head fell off and his hands fell off. I don't know what the thing looked like, but it was bowing down to the presence of God. Amen? Now, you've got to ask yourself one question. Which God would have been yours? Which God would have been yours? Would have been Dagon? He said, no, I, I, I don't worship no God named Dagon. But you've got to see what the Ark of the Covenant represents. Do you put this book right here first? Do you? You gotta you gotta know what God represents, what God is all about. Do you allow God to lead you? There's times, listen, we are naturally prone to worshiping idols, the Bible says. It's called idolatry. And idolatry is in every single one of our hearts. So naturally, by default, we will worship idols. Now, whatever idol we put in our heart. That whatever we put before God becomes an idol. The men of Ashdod, when they put the Ark of the Covenant there, Dagon was bound down. Do we, as God's people, when God comes, do we bow down? Do we, are we ready in a moment to bow to our king? When God calls, are we ready to listen? Are we ready to obey? Or do we fight? We may have to ask ourselves this question. Which God would have been ours laying there? Would it, was it the Ark of the Covenant or was it Dagon? The people of uh, Ashdod, the Philistines, they didn't want the Ark of the Covenant after they saw that. They stuck with Dagon, their God. And when God comes our way and, he's, and he shows us what we need to get rid of out of our lives, do we say, yes, yes, Lord? Or do we say, no, Lord, I don't want you. You got to get out of here. When you know God wants something out of your home, when the presence of God, when the pastor comes in your home and you're hiding stuff and turning this music off and shutting that television off and doing everything, no, God, you got to get out of here. You made my, my fake statue fall and broke his head off. We know the truth, but are we willing to change? Are we willing to rip those garments of flesh off? We want the title. We want everything else, but are we willing to have the power of God? Are we willing to sacrifice for it? Are we willing to get, are we willing to be there as Elisha was? Are we willing to continue? Ask yourself that question this morning. When God comes your way, are you willing to change for the Lord? As he came for you and died on the cross? Ask yourself that question. When the presence of God comes into your home and he starts pointing out things in your heart and he starts wanting to change things around, are you willing to say, yes, Lord? I'll do anything for you. You are my God. Or is there resistance? If anyone brings the Ark of the Covenant in and changes for God, man, God blesses them more than you could ever know. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Are you tired of your life? Or are you fine with it? I want to do more for Jesus. I want more of him and less of me. This man is no good up here. 
I'm no good. You say, oh, you're a great guy. No, I'm not. I know who I am. I know who I am without the Lord. And I'm scared to be who I am. And I need more of Christ. I want more of Christ. Because any good thing in me is just, a, is just the Lord. It's just him. Are you done with yourself? Or do you love yourself? Do you want more of Christ? Let him show you how powerful. Let him show you how strong. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God in your life? Or do people just see you? They ought to see Christ. They ought to see Christ. Let's all stand. If God spoke to your heart, do they see Jesus in you? Do they see the power of God? You claim salvation. Do they see it? Are you willing to be there? Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. Are you willing to continue when the hard times come and allow God to teach you and build you up and strengthen you to prepare you for what's ahead? We have a vacation Bible school coming up. I wonder how many people will make time to reach these kids. We can all let the kids grow up like all the other kids and destroyed lives. And when they're older, they'll die and go to hell. But there will be some people in here that will make a difference. The Bible says, suffer, that means allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. We can reach them now or we can reach them in prison. We can reach them down K&A. Why don't we try to save them from this hard life? Give them Jesus when they're young. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? We need men and women to stand up and start reaching this city for Christ. Will you be there? Will you give what God has already given you? Fill up your car with people. Bring them out to church. Use what God has given you. Say, I want more blessings. You got to use what you have first. I want a bigger home. Use your home for Christ right now. I want a better car. Use your car you have now for the Lord. Use what you have for God.
Amen. You can be seated for a minute. We're going to have a baptism. And what baptism represents? There are many baptisms in the Bible. Uh, let's have some named. Baptism of fire, right, which is hell. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism unto Moses. What is this? This is water baptism. What does water baptism represent? It's a symbol that a person got saved, that they were buried in their sins, and they rose again in newness of life, and that's through the resurrection of Christ. What does infant baptism mean? Infant baptism is not in the Bible. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't represent anything at all. But true baptism of the believer is when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ to get saved, born again. And now they've pledged that they would want to walk with the Lord, give their life to Christ, and identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have Jeannie Camosa uh, coming. Jeannie, did you uh, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I did. Amen. Amen. Would you like to say anything? Amen. 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 You know, when, when after a person gets baptized, God really blesses them. It's true. If you've never been baptized yet scripturally, if you've already been saved, then that next step is getting baptized, your first step of obedience. And after that, God does start working amazing. Jeannie, based on your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to baptize you. Jeannie, based on your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Brother Justin, would you come up and uh, close us in prayer? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, thank you so much for uh, all you've done for us, Lord. Uh, just for the simple things, Lord, for waking us up and allowing us to even be here today, Lord. Let us not take that for granted. Lord, let us take this message home and uh, let it uh, work on our hearts and our minds, Lord. Uh, help it to challenge us, Lord, to uh, see where we stand with you, Lord, and what we've done with your things, Lord. And I uh, just pray, uh, bless everyone that's here today. And uh, Lord, I pray for, uh, for Jeannie, Lord, and uh, getting baptized. I pray you bless her for that, Lord, and start to do an amazing work in her life, Lord. 
And Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.